Well, it's hello to Simon Lincoln Reader in London. Hey, Simon, uh, you've had a busy couple of weeks. We haven't done the political wrap-up with you for a while, so as good a time as in as any. After Boris Johnson sweeps to a landslide win, uh, I, I was. Uh, I'd like to talk to to a little bit about uh, Boris Johnson later in the discussion because I I read a book by Andrew Gimson. Uh, a while yes. ago, a biography, which I'm sure you've uh, you've, you've also yes. consumed, so we can pick up on that. But how do you how do you gauge the mood now in the city of London, or indeed the UK as a whole, in the wake of this election? Well, there are a couple of things here, Alec. Uh, you know, I was watching at 10 p.m. last week on on Thursday for the announcement of the exit poll, and for good measure, in recent years, uh, we've lost faith in polls. But funnily enough, these polls, the majority of them, excluding YouGov, MRP, were sort of on the money. There was a sense that Boris would get a majority. We weren't expecting this kind of a majority. But um, certainly um, the majority of the polls predicted this. And obviously it was uh, announced on, on Friday morning at the closing of 200 uh, stations that um, the, he, had, he had got a net gain of 66, um, which is is pretty remarkable. The city itself is is buoyant. Mark Carney, the Reserve Bank governor, announced uh, on Tuesday morning that the risk of a no deal Brexit had fallen substantially. So yeah, I think it's there's there's something of positivity going on here. Why would a risk of a no deal Brexit have fallen, given that Boris Johnson's saying it's my way or the highway, EU? <laughs> it's a very good question. Uh, Carney has been one of these guys that uh, subscribe to what has been popularly described as Project Fear, which is um, uh, liberal catastrophizing, uh, shortage of medicines, shortage of food and all of this. And I don't know why he's come up with this now. I think the businesses I work with have never been particularly pessimistic. But uh, I think to an extent, the... the um, you know, but you you can tell a lot by what's going on on the on the street on a sort of medium at a size business level, and uh, everyone is 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 in a positive mood. And I think the Carney realizes uh, if he's the only one left, uh, you know, spreading doom, he's going to be isolated. So I guess he just didn't want to feel left out. We saw in Ramaphorias in South Africa after Sir um, Ramaphosa won the vote at the elective conference on the 18th of December 2017. Uh, it seems like a long time ago, but we saw a, a huge Ramaphoria effect at that point in time. Is this a bit of Borisphoria effect uh, in the UK? Yes, without question. The Boris bounce is what it's been described as. I think that uh, sentiment is everything. And... Um, but Europe now, uh, it's, it, the, the idea is that, that we look, the UK looks to have the upper hand in negotiations. Um, he's made a series of promises which he now has to keep given, and I'm, we'll get into this now about um, the, who's actually, how he's managed to shift the entire voting landscape. He has to stick to these promises, and obviously um, a substantial number of them involve uh, um, the EU and terms for the future. So, It'll be very interesting to see how this goes. So what has he promised to get elected? Well, Alec, there are, there are, are a number of um, – today he'll be in, um, in the, making his Queen's speech. But there have been 20,000 police promised for the street, reinvestment in the NHS, cuts for small and medium business um, owners, and obviously um, the, uh, uh, to leave – 
the European Union before the end of uh, the uh, 2021, sorry, the beginning of 2021. So we essentially, we leave in, in principle um, with the trade agreement to be hashed out over the course of the next 12 months. And those two things um, are, are obviously central to the manifesto and um, he'll, he'll be pressured to put them in, but I think he can do it. As a South African sitting in London and knowing lots yeah. of people in South Africa who've either thought of going to the UK or been unable to get in because of various limits, is it in South Africa's or in favour of South Africa? Let's not uh, uh, South Africans rather, rather than, than the country itself, uh, just to start with. Is it going to be easier for South Africans who want to work in the UK to come through under a, a new regime, uh, a new Johnson kind of approach? The immediate answer to that is no. There will be an Australian-style point system instituted from the 1st of January 2021, which is going to make it harder for unskilled labor, uh, uh, workers to, to come to the UK. Um, that is, uh, you know, I'm not sure what that, how, what the effect that would have on aspiring 18 to 21 year olds, you know, spending uh, a gap year after school. Uh, but that will, that is one of the uh, campaign manifestos and he will imp implement that um, during the course of the, uh, the next uh, two years. It's going to be very tricky. Um, I don't believe that uh, it'll get any easier. You know how difficult it is for South Africans to get into Australia now. Um, yeah, it's it's not a it's not it's not promising for for people to to move to the UK. So for South Africa as a country, though, is this something? It's something that has been celebrated. Yeah, in fact, the RAND oh, yeah. appreciated uh, on the on the result. Oh, absolutely. If, if, if you're talking about uh, what, what this Boris represents and, and, and uh, the hope for South Africa, all of what you're seeing um, outside of Cyril Ramaphosa, who I think is slightly different, but all of this the stuff that comes out of the NEC about the ANC desperate to hold on to ESCOM and SAA, it's exactly what Jeremy Corbyn had in his manifesto, that central committee, bureaucratic, um, and it was widely rejected here, as it would be in America. So if, if you're looking for a place where, you know, freedoms are respected and kind of there's a sense of entrepreneurial spirit uh, being fostered, um, kindness to businesses um, in, in early stages, then what Britain, what Boris represents to the world is a, indeed a very, very strong message, yes. Hmm. Boris himself, let's get on to that book by and, uh, Andrew Gimson. Um, I didn't find it terribly flattering towards Boris. He painted him as a person who needs to grab attention, who needs to tell stories, perhaps from his journalistic background, uh, but who doesn't always stick with the, the, uh, the, the whole truth, a, a bit of a, a, a very human uh, a person with uh, some very human frailties. He was painted there as a bit of a philanderer, and I don't think that's been discounted by anybody. But, but what is your take of this now? Johnson himself, of course, likes to be portrayed as the modern-day Winston Churchill. Sure. Um, Alec, you know, he comes from a family where deception is a, unfortunately, look, every single family member, um, the, the Johnsons, uh, come with a, a, a sort of a warning whether to take them at face value or look in a, a look a bit deeply into into what they're saying. Boris has been uh, called a social liberal when he ran the, uh, the city of London as mayor. He was fabulously uh, 
almost pro-European. He was a great advocate of gay rights um, and gay marriage. And I believe that he sensed this uh, sort of shift to nationalism across the continent in about 2010, 2012, um, this dissatisfaction with the Tony Blair's globalism. And that's when he started mounting this challenge. Um, I think he's enormously intelligent. Uh, I don't think he's trustworthy, uh, but there are very few polit- politicians that are. Um, what he has, his uh, personal life is a, literally a car wreck. He's got uh, a child out of, mar- I mean, he's had marriages and flings and all sorts of things. But, you know, I think that these, these, the, these issues um, could be put to one side. Um, if he is to enact upon his manifesto and give the northern voters who came out in their numbers for him last Thursday in a way that hasn't been seen since 1935, if he is to enact what they want, I think he could be forgiven. You know, he's the one politician that I've noticed that can actually um, make fun of himself in his, as you said, Churchillian mannerisms without removing the seriousness of, of the message. It's a very, very important skill that, and we'll wait and see. And this ability, this almost chameleon-like ability to change with the circumstances, to connect with the public. Mm. Generally, people in the north of countries, uh, because it tends to, in the northern hemisphere, it tends to be colder, they tend to trust, uh, it takes them longer to trust. And from what you've described of this, deceptive type character that Boris Johnson has, surely he's going to be coming under intense scrutiny from the northern voters who, if he makes a misstep in any way in his promises, will definitely hold him to account. Of course, yes. And so th- that is a huge, that's the condition into which he enters Downing Street um, and he will be held to account. These guys in the north are no nonsense and uh, they don't, you know, platitudes to them But, you know, against that, I think that what Boris has set himself and the cabinet has set itself is is a realistic set of goals. There isn't really, I mean, apart from the Brexit, which hosts one or two question marks, I don't think that anything is is, is unachievable, as it were. So um, he does have that in his favor. And, you know, what a result uh, to to, to have managed to convince people um, who have historically labor, who are working class, good old Fashion, you know, on, on Friday, I sent you that message, um, that was Alan Johnson, one of my favorite politicians ever, the former Home Secretary. Now he's this no nonsense, northern labor strongman, unions, post office, um, and, and he, that's the, the profile of person Boris has managed to convince. It's, it's remarkable. Yeah, I love the book you recommended me to, uh, Alan Johnson's biography. Um, about, oh, it's fantastic. It's called About a Boy, is it? Um, anyway, yeah, it's, it's, that's it in three parts, yeah. It's well, well worth, uh, reading. And, and if he can convince, if Boris can bring that kind of person on board, someone who was brought up in, in extreme poverty, then he certainly has hit the right notes. But actually, it's a bit of a delayed reaction, if you think of it, because going back to the time when Theresa May became Prime Minister in the UK. Boris should have been Prime Minister then, but he was knifed by uh, Gove. Michael Gove. Yeah, Michael Gove, mm. one of his, one of his uh, lieutenants. So I suppose, one, or one of his confidants at the time, I suppose one might look at it from that perspective, is that this was kind of inevitable. Yeah, Michael Gove is probably going to go on to being Deputy Prime Minister, de facto Deputy Prime Minister, which is 
a happy ending to what was a, a very um, unpleasant situation for both of them. But, I mean, that's just personal uh, ambition, isn't it? You've got wives whispering in ears, and you've got uh, personal ambitions all converging <laughs> together. And uh, it's played out. Michael Gogg's wife, uh, who I know is a columnist at the uh, Daily Mail, and has been very frank about uh, what's happened over the last couple of years. Um, and in a way, it's explained to the public what, what, uh, what they needed to know about what happened then. Um, and uh, he's done an amazing job lobbying for Boris during this campaign. He was absolutely remarkable. He is probably the most um, academic politician in the British cabinet. So uh, there is a huge future for Michael Gove. But, you know, all of these things happen with, as I mentioned, the condition um, of, of, of getting things done. Um, uh, from from the northern voters and, and anyone else who wouldn't ordinarily have voted conservative. So let's just talk about a couple of the personalities. What happens to Theresa May now? And does she go the the same route as uh, Cameron, David Cameron, and just leave the stage? I think that uh, she's a very principled woman, and you know she's she's uh, she's a woman of faith. She's got um, she's a woman of community. Um, I, as much as I didn't like her as prime minister, I think that she's a she's a good person, and I doubt I, you won't see her in um, working for companies like BlackRock, like George Osborne is. You won't see her um, murdering the lecture circuit like many other prime and former prime ministers have. I think she'll remain as a stalwart in that maidenhead uh, community that she's in, where she has a lot of support and people just genuinely like her. I don't think that she was tough enough. Um, and uh, uh, ruthless enough to 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 have taken that place, and, and she was a a, Lee, a, a Remainer um, in a in a in, a, in what should have been a Lever government. So it was impossible from the get go. But um, yeah, I, I think that that given what's happened last Thursday, the majority of the country is probably wishing her very well. Is she in line to do a, a comeback, a la Gove? No, no ways. No, I think that, that those years really took it out of her. She doesn't have. Um, the best health, sadly, and uh, she she would probably be advised to to um, to leave this to Boris, given the fact that 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 you know that she was her her her, her term was considered not to have accomplished much. Um, leave it to Boris and this new majority to 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 move ahead. And what about Jeremy Corbyn? Okay, well, there's a, I think that's a very this is a point that we could discuss. Um, you know, I, I, we must. You know, the election took place against the spectacle of an unprecedented investigation by the Equalities and Human Rights Commission into uh, anti-Semitism in the Labour Party. And Alec, this has been bandied about. I've written about this for you for, for, for most of this year. We've spoken about it before. But to have the weight of something like this. Hanging is, is a disgrace and speaks to the leadership how anti-Semitism has just not been handled properly. That was a, a feature of, um, of this election. The, certainly the Jewish vote would never go near Corbyn. Um, the, the other feature was that uh, this, he's been going around saying, oh, we weren't strong enough on the Brexit issue. That's disingenuous. It, it was partially about Brexit. But one of the certainties that you can take away from Thursday's result that it was a profound 
repulsion of the wicked filth that Corbynism has become. And what I mean by that is that the, this, uh, the, the level of violence that you see at demonstrations against um, anything that they consider a right wing, which is a, a scale that they have self-devised, um, and it's about the things that the ANC are actually wanting to keep in South Africa. You want to uh, bloat your airline. You want to bloat your utilities. Jeremy Corbyn wanted to give free broadband to everyone. He wanted to nationalize the rails, nationalize the utilities. And look what happened. It was uh, People said, no, actually, this is not going to be the case. He has declared that he won't stand for re-election as Labour, but be very careful. You know, he's a Marxist. You have to drag these people out kicking and screaming. If uh, Labour, um, if, the, if it comes down to the Labour NEC to make the call, and it does, that NEC is packed with momentum supporters who are the Corbynista um, uh, elements, and they're going to say, no, you're not going anywhere. So... Jeremy Corbyn has ensured, uh, to, to, to summarize this, Jeremy Corbyn has ensured that Boris Johnson uh, has a really, really good prospect of a decade of, of rule. Uh, just to kind of close off on the whole election result, the Scots appear to now have almost certainly uh, put their, their flag in the ground to say they want to leave uh, the United Kingdom, that they would like to become part of Europe or stay part of Europe. And uh, Boris has said, well, he'll try and talk them out of it, from what I understand. How are you reading that and how are the chances, or what do the odds look like for Scotland remaining in the United Kingdom or indeed eventually getting that uh, independence vote, which on the strength of the results of the last election would suggest they'd be gone? Well, there's a short answer to that in that, is that yes, they must go, okay, and they, they uh, must go and join the EU, and, and then they must see the performance of the Eurozone, and they'll come back within a year with a, a hat in their hand, begging to join again. Uh, I think it's a, a hugely nationalist call that's, that's happening over there. I don't think that they see... Um, see certainly the short-term uh, benefits. They don't see the, the long-term implications. Um, Boris is right to say that he needs to negotiate. He needs a team of really smart people with him. Um, but, you know, I think that it's, it's difficult with people like Nicola Sturgeon and uh, Alex Salmond and so on. They, they, they have whipped up these people into a frenzy, and there is this sort of genuine idea that things will be better outside of, of, of Britain, outside of uh, uh, a post-Brexit UK. So what is the process there? When do the Scots get to have their way? Well, they have to – Boris has to okay a, a second election. Now, if you recall, 2014, September, there was a narrow victory for uh, the idea of, of remaining in the United Kingdom. Sturgeon is lobbying for a new referendum. When that happens is, is, up, to, is up to Boris. But um, he won't give in without a fight. Once they have – obviously, if, if there's no – um, other solution. He has to submit, and who knows what will what will happen thereafter. I'm I'm not sure. Um, it will as cut and dried as people uh, claim it to be. Um, but in the event that there is a second referendum and they they do get a leave um, majority, then they'll 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 have to go and join the EU, and there'll have to be a hard border between Scotland and England. Yeah, it's a mess. It's a complete mess. So um, yeah. But but surely. Uh, with Boris Johnson making so much noise about following the will of the people and the democratic process, what's come from this election 
and particularly the results in Scotland, would suggest that the democratic process wants a referendum there. Maybe, as you say, it'll, it'll, they'll be back in a year. But why would he resist this? Well, that's it. And uh, you, you've, got to, you've got to respect it both ways, don't you? Um, so I, I imagine he'll find fault on technicalities, why he can't resist. But if you were purely looking at, um, on, theoretically, on a balance of, of what happened and what must happen for Scotland, then yes, they should get their vote. Um, and be able to determine their own future, absolutely.